Hello there, it's podcast 65 from Football Adania, your home of Dutch football. As usual, I'm Michael Statham and I'm with Mike Bell, the Football Adania editor, to discuss the Netherlands games that are coming up against Northern Ireland and Estonia, as well as all the latest Dutch club news. There's quite a lot going on with Ajax, PSV, Feyenoord, RZ Altmar at the moment, so we've got loads to talk about. Thank you very much for sending in your questions. Please continue to do so in future on Twitter. You're either listening to us on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes or Football Nation Radio in Australia. Make sure that you like wherever you are and subscribe if you're new to Football Only platforms. Enjoy. Mike, good to have you back on the Football Only podcast. It feels like it's been a while since we, we recorded together. And now there's been so much going on in the Eredivisie. But I think what we're going to do today is we can cover all of the happenings in the Eredivisie by talking about the Dutch national team because it affects quite a lot of the players within that squad. So there's two big games coming up against Northern Ireland and Estonia. First question to you is, how positive are you feeling ahead of the two games? Extremely positive. I think that we now know basically that Netherlands are definitely going to be at the Euros next summer. They're going to get at least one win out of these two games. Um, a draw against Northern Ireland is enough as well. So you think it's pretty much nailed on that Netherlands are going to get to Euros. It's just whether we finish top of the group or second. You know, we're going to aim for top and then we can do that just by getting two wins out of two. If we can do that, which is definitely achievable in these two games, um, top of the group and then get a good seeding for Euro group stage. Um, yeah, very positive at the moment. The squad's doing well. The last international period was very positive. And I think that, yeah, everything that surrounds the national team at the moment seems very, very bright. There's some new players in there that I'm very excited to, to see in action. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And finally, in maybe seven days' time, we'll be talking about Netherlands being back at an international tournament again after so many years. Yeah, sure, sure. I think that game against Northern Ireland is going to be Obviously, the most difficult one between that one and the Estonia one. I think the Estonia, again, they'll put a few goals past them and it would be a good chance again to see how Koeman plays the, that sort of 4-3-3 and whether he goes for Martin Delone or someone more attacking in midfield. There's an argument that in the Belarus game, it was only a tight, tight result against them and yet Koeman in that game decides to play it and a more attacking midfield trio. In the Northern Ireland game, he might then cho choose to go for Delone again. What, what's your thoughts on this, Mike? Because I saw Donny van der Beek today give a man-of-the-match display against Utrecht. They won 4-0. Van der Beek scored twice. He, he's on really good, good form at the moment. And he impressed as well in the game against Chelsea, uh, the 4-4 draw. Um, do you think that van der Beek should be starting? And if so, who does he replace? Because for so long that Jerome De Jong and Wijnaldum midfield has been one of the strong points of the Netherlands national Yeah, it has, and you saw that when he changed it for the the last game. It didn't really work out very well, and Netherlands sort of lost control at times until Darun came on, and then after Darun came on, they basically shut shut it down. Everything was fine after that. You know, I thought Van der Beek didn't really take his chance in the last international period, but as you say, he's in form for Ajax, scored two great goals, Um today in their, their win against Utrecht and I think that for the Northern Ireland away game you need to be a bit more conservative not go with so attacking with the midfield so I think Darun 
is essential because I think Darun being in there also helps free up Frankie um, to basically do whatever he wants and have to mop up. So I think that them two, and I just can't see him dropping Vinaldum. I think it's going to be Darun, Vinaldum, and, and Frankie for the Northern Ireland game. Hopefully, get that win, seal the your 2020 spot, then he can maybe experiment a bit more in a home game against Estonia. But he has this problem, it's a great problem to have. We have somebody like Van de Beek knocking on the door. At the moment, I think he just needs to be patient. And um, yeah, we just need to see that midfield of Darun, Frankie, and, and Van Adam again, just to get the win against Northern Ireland. That's probably the best free to pick for now. And Van de Beek's chance, he'll, he'll definitely come in the future. He just needs to be a bit more patient, I think. And it's also really helpful to have someone who can easily just slot into the midfield if there's an injury. It's always good to have that excellent replacement. And for me, Van der Beek is probably going to end up being that. Alternatively, he replaces Wijnaldum in the lineup, But Wijnaldum is doing um, an excellent job for Liverpool at the minute in the Premier League. I'm not saying that he's um, scoring loads of goals like Van der Beek is, but Wijnaldum's playing at that really, really high level a week in, week out. And that just can't be matched with Van der Beek. Then again, what, what did you think of the Ajax result um, this weekend? They put four goals past Utrecht and I, I thought that Utrecht would give Ajax a really good game. I actually predicted them to get a draw there, but not at all. They were absolutely outplayed, weren't they? Yeah, I thought so as well. I thought Utrecht were going into the game with a bit of confidence. You know, Ajax might be a little bit tired after the what happened against Chelsea, a bit mentally tired and I thought that Utrecht would give them some issues, but absolutely not. Um, Ajax absolutely battered them from start to finish. And even in the last 25 minutes, when it was already 4-0, Ajax were just passing it about. They weren't even trying anymore, and it wasn't even a test. You know, if Ajax really wanted, they could have went and won that game. 7-8-0. Um, only for the... If it wasn't for the Utrecht goalkeeper, Martin Pace, I think it would have been that sort of scoreline. And he made three or four great saves in that second half as well. And yeah, it was just a very dominant Ajax performance. And... They just look too strong at the moment. They just seem to be with PSV falling apart. They seem to be nailed on for the title at the moment. I can't see anybody else winning it. No, I think that it's Ajax all the way this season. As I already predicted at the start of the season, I think you did too, Mike. But their closest challengers now are Arzad Altmar, who just have this really talented side. Uh, because PSV are falling away. There's some awful results that are happening recently. And two of the players that aren't included in the Netherlands squad are Daniel Marlin and Steven Berkvine. And I believe they're both due to injury, Mike. Are they out for very long? Yeah, they've got niggle injuries. I think that they're going to be out basically until after the international break. You know, Van Bommel will be praying that they're back for their next games because it's clear that without them, PSV are an awful side. I mean... It bodes well for the future of Dutch football when you see how important Bergwijn and Malen are to this PSV side because you know, before they got injured, they looked like genuine title contenders who were on course for the knockout stages of the Europa League and without them, they've not won in six games and yeah, they could now miss out on the knockout stages. I think they've got to go away at Sporting and try and get a good result there um, before their home game against Rosenborg to try and steal that. So, yeah, I think they'll be back just after the international break and Van Bommel is basically staking his job on them to come back and stopping this rot that's happened since they've been away. I watched them in that defeat to Utrecht where they lost 3-0 and 
and had a player sent off. And at, at that point, I, I just thought, well, PSV didn't play that badly, but because they had players out injured and the red cards didn't help, it was understandable why they lost that match. I watched them in the nil-nil draw against um, Lask as well in the Europa League and just thought they were a bit flat. But since then, um, I haven't watched them. I assume you have, Mike, along the way. But losing 4-0 to RZ, 2-2 um, draw up Sparta Rotterdam, 4-1 defeat to Lask again in the Europa League, and then today a 2-1 defeat at Villantoué. I haven't watched them in the last four games, but I assume that nothing's got better. What What's the problem with PSV? There is several problems with PSV side at the minute. The the last game that we finished four one could have been ten one. It was that bad. It was, you know, PSV took the lead for a, a penalty in the first couple of minutes, and then from that moment it was last battering them from start to finish. And the fact that they didn't equalise sooner than they did was was a minor miracle, and that could have been any scoreline. Their defence is awful at the moment. Um, they've not been able to find a, a solid central partnership. You know, last season you thought that Beerhaver and, and Schwab did really well. Um, but since he's come back, Schwab looks a totally different player. I don't know what's happened since he went away and spent some months in Germany, but he looks awful. The new signing, Baumgartel as well. It's just not working out at the moment. Denzel Dumfries is having a very bad season defensively and they don't have a left back. And that's why Michael Sadelek's playing there and he's, he's not doing well. And in goal, Rowan Zut is having an absolute nightmare and that's why he's been dropped from the squad and seems to be now be third choice. You're thinking that this was going to be his last season because he was playing for that big move abroad and he's not going to get that now because he's made so many mistakes in the past five, six games. It seems to have like, blown his bridges with Van Bommel and he seems to be dropped now. In midfield, they have problems as well. Rosario doesn't bring anything. Hendricks is out injured at the moment. Today, Gutierrez was awful, and the only looked threatening when Pereiro came on, and we don't know that Mark Van Bommel wasn't really a big fan of Pereiro, that's why he doesn't play him a lot, but he came on, he scored the goal, he went close to an equaliser late on. And it's it's pretty telling when PSV are relying on a 17-year-old, like I had her in to be their most important player, because he is at the moment, he's the only one that actually looks like creating anything. Because up front, Gagpo and Bruma just aren't doing it either. Um, yeah, without Bergwijn and Malin, this is just a totally different side and one that won't even be finishing second in this season. Um, I think AZ are a better side at the moment. And yeah, PSV now 11 points behind Ajax. The title race is basically over. And they've faced a big uphill battle to get through in Europe. So it's just been a disastrous month, month and a half for, for the club. There's so many things there that you mentioned, Mike, that I'd like to talk to you about a lot more in this podcast. We actually received a lot of questions on Twitter about this. Um, the first avenue I'd like to explore is this question from Jordan. What is going on at PSV and how long does Mark van Bommel have left? Who could be his potential replacements? And is this the worst PSV team we've seen in the last 10 years? Well, for me, I wouldn't say it was the worst PSV team we've seen in the last decade because the 2013-14 season where PSV finished fourth in the Eredivisie with some quite bang average players. That for me was their worst team they've had in a while. But this team, I wouldn't say it comes close. They've still got a lot of talent in there. The run has been down to um, injuries, suspensions. That has not helped Mark Van Bommel. But what I've talked about a bit on the website just recently is 
I think Van Bommel still could have done better. I don't think he's um, achieved the maximum from the players that he still has at his disposal. Bruma, for example, how much did he cost in the summer? It was like 15 million euros, wasn't it? Uh, and he's just gone totally off the boil. He's not important at all to PSV, but when he, when he started the season, he seemed um, quite an impressive player that PSV had acquired and was coming up with the goods. Not at all now. I think that there's pressure on players such as Gakpo to, again, come up with the goods. But he's a young player. He's been playing a bit more as a striker recently. I don't think it suits him at all. So there's so many issues with this PSV team. But what do you think, Mike? I mean, how long do you think Van Bommel has left? He did quite well last season, running Ajax quite close for the title. But this season's been an absolute disaster. Yeah, but I think that the fans are getting a bit fed up. But I think everyone recognises that they are missing their best two players. And that's what Van Bommel keeps mentioning in interviews. If I think he said today, if you take you know, Messi and Suarez out of the Barcelona side, they struggle. If you take Mbappe and Neymar out of PSG, they struggle. And that's what Malin and Bergwijn are to this PSV side. They're, they're, they're everything for them. Malin scored most of their goals this season and Bergwijn's the most creative player. To them to out their attack is nothing. But I think what Van Bommel hasn't done is improved their defence. The defence right now is awful and the midfield is awful. So Van Bommel keeps insisting on playing Sadelic at left back when he had Tony Lato. This must be just more indication that Tony Lato must be an awful player because he's not even coming into this equation now and Sadelic's struggling. Um, I think that. Van Bommel has until Malin and Bergwijn come back. I think once they come back and if the results don't improve, then he's gone. But he can he can survive now just by saying that they're missing their two best players. And he's had excuses the past couple of weeks against Utrecht. They obviously had two men sent off against AZ. They had someone sent off. So these are his excuses at the moment, but it's not going to last if um, as soon as Malin and Bergwijn come back. If it doesn't improve, then he's going to be gone pretty quickly. They're just lacking leaders. <laughs> Pablo Rosario is meant to be captain of the club. But I just don't see it on the pitch. I don't, I don't hear it in the media. He's not coming out and speaking for Van Bommel by saying these things. He's not mirroring it. And he's clearly losing some players because players aren't quite performing for him. I touched upon Bruma already. But yeah, uh, Zutz, the goalkeeper, he has been at PSV for years and years and years and he's happy and settled at the club and isn't desperate for that move abroad that he was three or four years ago um and yeah he's he's been making mistakes and van bommel today has just kind of said in the media that he always third choice now in a style who's a good goalkeeper by the way he's going to be first choice so all that faith has sort of been lost in in and i don't think he's very happy about it either and that does affect the dutch national team as well because you've got him and vermeer who are both in the squad <laughs> but not in full good form at all. On the flip side, there's a couple of goalkeepers that deserve to be there that, that aren't. And for me, they are Marco Vizzo, who has been doing a great job at RZ. They've got the best defence in the Eredivisie. Um, and then there's a toss-up between Tim Krull over at Norwich um, and Sergio Pat at Honingen, who has been making mistakes in the past. But I don't know if you saw his interview after they beat Vitesse 2-1. Groningen can really pride themselves upon their defensive record this season. They, they're doing a great job considering they're one of the, the sort of sub-top teams, mid-table teams in the Eredivisie. And um, 
yeah, no, Pat. Pat was just he was in tears. He he was he he was so proud to play to play and appear for the Dutch national team in, in the squad. Um, but was actually quite upset about missing out on the squad yet again. Yeah, I think that's due to. I mean, last season he had a personal issue. He got had a few too many drinks and had an incident on a train. And I think that's why he thinks he's messed up his chance for the Dutch national team. And I think that's why he thinks he's not getting called up anymore. Um, he is a good goalkeeper. And Netherlands have not a goalkeeping issue, but there isn't one standout. Jasper Sillison is the number one at the moment, but he isn't the best goalkeeper in the world. Um, so there is obviously opportunities for goalkeepers in the future to come in and take it from him. But he seemed to have all these number twos that are maybe around the same sort of level. But I think Zolt right now is having probably the worst time of his career at the moment. That's why he's dropped to third in the pecking order. I can't see him getting that big move. And so I don't know who would come in from in January. Um, yeah, and then there's Bezo and, and Vermeer. For me, he's, he's an okay keeper. He's not great. Um, I'd have, rather have Bezo in there. And Tim Crow is always a steady option. I mean, who can forget his heroics at the World Cup in 2014? And we've seen it for Norwich this season. He comes up with big saves. He saved a couple of penalties against Man United. Yeah, they lost that game, but... He's, he's a reliable goalkeeper, and I think that Cummins has just gone with the safe options again. He's gone with the ones that he knows, whereas maybe he needs to start branching out and looking for for better options, because I don't think Haroun Zut should be anywhere near this Netherlands squad at the moment. Yeah, um, agreed. He's just not playing anywhere near his best, because he has been um, exceptional in the past, and definitely not at the moment. I think there's a couple of things that I'd like to touch upon a bit more with PSV. One of the questions is from Hendrik. And Hendrik, thank you for all your questions. I don't think we can get all th through all of those today. Um, there's a question about Berkvine and kind of talking about PSV, kind of talking about Dutch national team. Um, and he was asking whether, you know, he can he be a striker? Can 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 he use his hold-up play? He's quite strong. He can keep the ball well. Um, and if he improves his finishing... Hendrik asks, can he be the best striker that Ardania have? For me, um, no. I think that you already have that with Memphis. I think you have that similar type of striker, and I think that Memphis does it a bit better than what Bergwijn would. Um, and then you have Malin coming through, and we have Myron Baudu coming through as well. That's three options. I think Bergwijn is an excellent attacker, and he would start for me in a Netherlands lineup if he was fit. But I like to see him from the wing, using his pace there as well. Um, but through the middle, I'd stick with with Memphis or, or Malin. And it's been tried before. Netherlands under 21s did it with Bergwijn for a while through the middle. And it didn't work. Um, they missed out on a couple of European championships with him um, as the main striker. I just don't think he offers as much as what Memphis and Malin do at the moment. Uh, let's talk about Memphis Depay. Question for Mike. Let's just grab it. It says, yes, would Memphis Depay succeed at Tottenham? Tottenham having a bad time of it in the Premier League at the moment. Um, yeah, do you think Memphis is going to go back to England and do you think he'll do well again there? What I hate about the English media is um, it's the mirror that I run in the story saying that Memphis Depay is a target for Tottenham and they've scouted him and they're ready to pay £50 million to bring him back. But in the title of their article, they describe him as Manchester United flop Memphis Depay. And he was a young player who went to Manchester United. They were going through a difficult time under a difficult manager and it didn't get any better under Mourinho. There's a lot of players who are underperforming there. 
at that point and underperforming there now. Um, nothing's really got better at that club, so to really hound Memphis for his time at Manchester United is not really fair. And you've seen what he's done since he went to Leon, and what he's done for Netherlands. He's basically been one of the main key factors why Netherlands have returned to what they are now and are on the verge of being Euro 2020. He's been outstanding. And he's been great for, for Leon at times this season. He's one of the top goal scorers in the Champions League this season. And I'm pretty sure he scored like seven league goals already in 10 games. So I think if he went to England now, he'd be a totally different player. I think he'd do really well. And I think he has a point to prove there as well. I think he would jump at a chance to go back to a top club in, in England and, and shut people up. So yeah, I'd like to see it. Um, him go back there and and really rip it up and just so basically all this English media would just stop calling him a flop because that's the only way it's going to happen. He could score a winning goal in the World Cup final, for instance, next year, and the mirror would probably still come out with an article saying Manchester United flop scores winning goal. It's, it's just stupid and I, I hate it. So the only way it's going to stop is if Memphis goes back to the Premier League and does really well, and I can see it happening if he does go there. Well, Mike, let me um, lower your blood pressure a little bit um, and let's talk about how well Dutch teams are doing in European competition this season. Um, Abdul sent a question on Twitter asking, you know, can Feyenoord and PSV make it through their groups because those two teams are the most at risk of not getting through. I think we can safely say that RZ, who we'll talk about a bit later in the podcast, and um, Ajax are likely to make it through their groups in the Europa League and Champions League respectively. But Feyenoord and PSV got a battle on. And both teams, well, yeah, Feyenoord now got Dick Avocart's manager. And I don't really know how much he has helped so far. I think he's settled down a little bit, made a bit more solid. And obviously PSV in disarray. Um, can either of them make it through? Because it looked so positive for so long that, that all four might make it through, but maybe now not. For me, I think that Feyenoord have won their chance. I think they needed to beat young boys. Um, they didn't, they drew... It's such a tight group. I think that Feyenoord are going to lose to Porto in in Portugal, and then even if they did beat Rangers, then it probably wouldn't be enough. And um, I think that Feyenoord really needed to win that game on Thursday, and they just couldn't hold out for for the win. PSV, I think, have a good chance, um, especially if they, as I said before, they get Malin and Bergwijn back. Right now, if this side continued to be out, I think they'd lose to Sporting in Portugal and then even though Rosenberg have been pretty awful they could probably score a couple of goals against the side um, I think that with Bergwijn and Malin back PSV can have a great chance to get out of that group as well it really just depends on the, the game between Lask and, and Sporting um, I think PSV will be hoping that Sporting did them a favour and beat them so then a PSV win against Rosenberg would basically do the trick um, yeah, I can see one of the two of them going through, but I can't see Feyenoord. I think they're going to go out. And I think AZ, yeah, they're definitely going to go through. And deservedly. And yeah, I think Ajax have a great chance as well. So you're looking at possibly three out of four Dutch clubs being in Europe after the winter, which would be excellent going on what's happened in the past couple of years. And it's great for the coefficient. It would be. The Dutch coefficient is, is, uh, is laughing right now. And it could still get better yet for next season. I think we can safely say that the Champions League spot is is there. There's there's two two Champions League spots, one being automatic. Next season we'll do that anyway, but the season after looks good as well now. 
let's talk about Arsenal Alkmaar then. Um, we've been holding off a little while. Such an exciting side. And I know that we talk about um, Calvin Stengs and Moran Boadu quite a lot on the Football Line podcast, but they are two of the leading lights for Dutch football at club level and international level. So we have to keep talking about them. Um, and Tim Cup Miners as well hasn't been called at this time for the Dutch national team, but uh, Koeman's definitely recognised him and he, he likes him as well. They just win, 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 win at the minute and they're scoring so many goals. What's not to like? Absolutely nothing. I mean, this is my favourite side at the moment this, se um, this season in the Eredivisie. I love watching them. It's a joy to watch and they've got the players that are just so exciting and it's great for the future of the Dutch national team that you can see at least four of these players I would pick um, and then everyone's squad. I think that Vindal left back as well. I know he doesn't, he probably wouldn't start ahead of Daily Blind, but he should be challenging like Van Anthol and um, Jethro Villams, who's had a bit of an upsurge at Newcastle United for the, the second left back swap because he's been absolutely excellent since he's come into the side this season. But Stengs and Bordeaux are just incredible for me, yeah, Stengs especially. I think he's an exceptional talent and one that's going to be heading to the top in the next couple of years. I think that he was always going to get called up this time. I think it's definitely deserved and Bordeaux has been a bit fortunate with the injuries to Bergvine and, and Malin to get in there, but it's totally deserved because he keeps scoring goals. He scores goals in Europe, he scored goals and it's it's telling that they've beat Emin tonight. It's currently 3-0, so I'm guessing they're going to win. And that the three goals have been scored by Coop Miners, Bordeaux and Stengs. The three of them are just unstoppable at the moment and that's why AZ are the closest challenges that Ajax have and they're going to be going through in Europe in a group that they could easily have slipped in, slipped up in because you've got, you've got my United, Astana and Partizan Belgrade um, and out of all the teams in there, AZ have been the best one in the group and it's ex exceptional and they're just an absolute joy to watch and long may it continue because I think that they lost their manager in the summer and Van den Braun went to Utrecht and Arnie Sloss has taken him in even further than Van den Braun has or ever did while he was there and yeah on such a, a small budget with such a small squad they're just exceptional and the thing is they've got even more talents coming through there's a couple in the Netherlands under 17 side that are at the quarterfinals in the World Cup that have got high reputations and there's a couple more knocking on the door like Kenzo Goldmine, who's been a highly rated prospect for the past couple of years, so he might come into the squad in the next couple of years as well. This uh, academy that keeps producing, and you could see it in the future that Ajax Academy gets talked up by being the main producer of Dutch talents, but AZ could be up there in the next couple of years, definitely. They're exciting, they're attacking, they're, um, they're really just eye-catching to watch. Goals, goals, goals. And um, yeah, the, the main leading lights are young Dutch players. Um, there's a lot of good players around them. And for so long, we have concerns about RZ's defending and, you know, can do they have the pace to and the strength to hold off the best teams? Well, their strategy around that is if you have the ball, then no one can harm you. They love to have the ball and they love to attack with it. Against Man United, they could have won that match. It was nil-nil, wasn't it? And they got a clean sheet against a big English English side. And uh, I will say this now, I think that when they go to Old Trafford, they can go and win. Even if Man United are on some good form, I, I think that they'll just have a lot of pace, trickery. And um, I think people just underrate 
how good some of these players are. And there's a reason why Stengs and Boadu have been put in the senior side. Finally, they're, they're both in there. Stengs especially, because he could have been there a little while ago. But how pleased are you to see them in the side? They're clearly there to replace Berkbeinemann, who are both injured. But I think if, they, if they're in the squad and they impress, they're there to stay. Yeah, definitely. I think that what's great to see is that these are two players that have had absolutely horrific injuries so early in their career. I think you know, Stengs a couple of years ago had that horror leg break against um, PSV and then last season Bordeaux missed most of it after breaking his leg against in Feyenoord. But both of them have come back exceptionally strong and they are the leading force for this AZ side in the attack and their combination play for AZ is excellent and you, you think that for Netherlands in a couple of years they, them two might be combining for Arania as well and it, it's it's exciting it's after years of wondering who's going to be in the attack for Netherlands when they weren't reaching the major tournaments Van Persie was going Robin was going who's going to be the next star to step up Obviously, I've had Memphis, but then you're looking at these two thinking, here we go, we've got two absolutely exceptional talents. And what impressed me most about Stengs is he's not your typical winger. He can also come central and he starts spreading absolute incredible through balls to Bordeaux. And you've got to think that Frankie linking up with Stengs is going to be an absolute delight. And I can't wait to see it for Netherlands because I think it's going to be exceptional. Uh, one of the questions from Hendrik was, um, are RZ the best run club in the Netherlands and are they punching above their weight it's hard to say what he said because are they punching above their weight I mean they won the title under Van Hal a few years ago and they probably went downhill for a couple of years they didn't really have the right players but they should be challenging the top three they should be should be a four in the Netherlands the four top sides in Asia should be one of them um, at the moment and they're better than Feyenoord at the moment hands down and without Malin and Bergwijn, they're much better side than, than PSV are. So yeah, I think they're an exceptionally well-run club. You've got to say Ajax are also a very well-run club by the amount of money they make and how, how they're doing in Europe and what they achieved last season. Um, but yeah, they're definitely probably, for me, the second-best-run club in, in everyone's. I don't think they're punching above the weight because I think this is what should, we should expect from AZ. I think they should be challenging for that second spot. I agree that they should be up there challenging. They're exceptionally well run because of the finances you think, they, the amount of money they have compared to the amount of money that Feyenoord have and PSV. The RZ, um, well, they're a, they're a smaller club and they don't have too many supporters either. It's not a big city, Alkmaar. It's got around about 130,000 people, I believe. Um, if you compare it to somewhere in the United Kingdom, that's the size of Exeter, where, where I live. Um, it's not big. Compared to a team like, yeah, PSV or, or Final where all this money's in the squad, all the players are getting paid a lot more. And there's all these young players as well at Arsenal Outmark. So, yeah, they're well run, but I think, yeah, perhaps they are punching above their weight because if other teams in the Netherlands were doing their youth academy as well as RZ, we'd, we'd have a lot, a lot more uh, stronger teams in the division. That said, I know that RZ do receive quite high transfer fees, just like the other top teams in the Netherlands. You know, you wouldn't see um, a, a few a few million euros paid to a head and vein, the same amount given to RZ. You often find that there's 15, 20 million euros given to that kind of uh, club now because of how big they are, RZ. They, they're, they're known to, re to develop good players. 
and you wonder, well, where does that money go? They don't spend it. Well, it's because they put it into their youth academy on the development of the young players. So maybe that's where the money's going. Um, and what a place to go to because it's it's sustainable for RZ Outmar. They can compete with that money through their youth academy. Like the, one of the last things I want to talk to you about um, were that we had a, quite a few questions about players that are on the periphery of the Netherlands squad. For example, Abdul was asking about Jürgen Lacardia, who's doing a good job at Hoffenheim. We had Hendrik asking about Jetra Willems, the left-back, who's now at Newcastle. But also Football Tings was asking why Yavaro Dawson isn't being called up to the Netherlands national team. So we've got Lacardia, Willems and Dilrosen. Why are those three not in the squad? Let's start with Lacardia. He has done well for half an hour. He stayed cool in the 98th minute of the weekend to score a winning penalty. That's two out of three goals that he scored in Germany have been penalties. If you start scoring regularly, um, you will come into contention. But I like the fact that Koeman is gone with Stengs and Bordeaux because they're doing exceptionally well in the Netherlands and people in the Netherlands are excited about seeing these two players in the squad and giving their chance. I think Delroson, we've seen what he can do. He's scored some great goals for Hefferblin this season. He will get a chance, but there's got to be some players kept available for this Netherlands on the 21 side because they've got such a, an important qualifier coming up. I know it's against Gibraltar, but you know they've had two wins out of two so far. This is the first time in ages that Netherlands on the 21 actually look like qualifying for the tournament at the end of it. And Netherlands have so many options right now. You've got Justin Clivert, who's one of the first names on the team sheet, it seems, for Roma at the moment. He's starting every single game. He's playing 90 minutes in most games. And he's still in the under-21s. And he's playing for one of the biggest clubs in Italy. And you've got Delra's son, who's still a part of Netherlands under twenty one squad. Cummins has these options. I think for this time, he's gone with the best two in Stengs and Bordeaux because I won't see them in Netherlands. If he had not picked Stengs and picked Delra's son, I would have been a bit disappointed um, because I just want to see what these two can do. So their time will come in the future. You know, Ryan Babel's not going to be around forever. The promise isn't getting any younger. Um, but yeah, will come for Delra's son. He just has to be a bit bit patient and I think Ocadia to come into contention needs to start scoring regularly and not just penalties needs to start scoring from open play and being important that way especially after such having such a bad season at Brighton um, which seemed to be just the wrong move for him yeah um, so Willems I mentioned earlier on he can come into contention because he's doing really well at Newcastle he's one of the standouts for them I mean they've had a couple of good wins in a row and a lot of our fans are saying Jethro Films has been one of the standouts. So it's good to see him getting his form back. He was in and out of the side at Frankfurt. He wasn't really doing much much there, but he seems to be doing well in the Premier League and he will come into contention. I think that if you look at Patrick Van Anholt, he keeps getting picked, but he doesn't play. So I think Koeman is open to choosing new left-backs. And if that's Films, he can come into contention. And then you've got Vindal at AZ as well. I think that all these conversations, it's, it's good to have because you, you figure out there's players that people want to see, but it's just excellent to know now that everyone's have these options. You could pick any position in the squad and make an argument for somebody that isn't in the squad, and you couldn't do that maybe this time a couple of years ago when everyone's were missing out on tournaments. The squad seemed to be what it was, and there was nobody new coming into it. But now this squad's pretty much staying the same, but... You want to see more players add in. You've got Stengs and Bordeaux this time. 
you're wondering about why Derrison is in there, why Coopminer is in there, and make the uh, same point for about four or five defenders, goalkeepers even. I mean, it's just great to know that Netherlands have so many options at the moment, and you could pick a, a totally separate squad, just the players that haven't been picked, that would still be pretty good. If you think of Tony Belhena, since he's went to, to Russia, he's fallen out of favour, it seems, with um, Kumin. So, yeah, it's great to to have these options again. It is indeed, and it makes it even harder then, picking a starting eleven. Luckily for so long, it's been consistent, so we can kind of go by what we've seen already. But the final thing I'd like to ask you is, what who would your front three be for the Netherlands against Northern Ireland? It's, it's difficult because I, I think what he'll do is, if Memphis Depay is fit, he's missing Leon's game against Marseille. Hopefully he is fit for the Netherlands. Memphis will start for the middle. And then my head says they'll go with Promise and Babel. But my heart wants them to go with Stengs and Promise and Memphis and drop Babel. I think that they'll go for the experience against Northern Ireland because it is such a big game. It's the one that they have to win. I think he won't just throw Stengs in there. I mean, he had the president of doing it with Mal and he brought him off the bench. So I think that Stengs could be brought off the bench in the second half. But then against Estonia, if it's all wrapped up, I'd like to see him start with with Stengs on the, the right wing and promise on the left with Memphis for the middle and then see possibly Bordeaux come off the bench against Estonia. I don't think Bordeaux is going to start either of these games. Um, he'll come on as a sub in either if it's, it's going well for me. Mm, for me too, I think Babel will start and probably be quite important against Northern Ireland. It's quite a physical team and uh, Babel's height and presence if he has to do some defending, will be important. But yeah, Memphis will play for the middle. And um, Promes will support as well. Um, and then, yeah, we could even see Stengs come on against Northern Ireland if, if they're winning. You never know, but definitely against Estonia. I hope against Estonia we actually see quite a few players come in. We could even see, like, you know, the Stefan de Rijs that have been on the, the bench for so long and deserved some more appearances and maybe haven't got them. It would be good to see some more of these players come in. Mike, um, thanks for this, and hopefully we do some more content really soon. And here's to Euro 2020 qualification coming really soon. Yes, yeah, it's going to be a, a fun week. I think that you know it's, it's sealed. I mean, Netherlands aren't going to lose against Estonia. You know, fingers crossed. You know, touch wood. They've not jinxed it there, but you know, a home game against Estonia. That's a bankable win, and that's enough for for Netherlands to seal their place at Euro 2020. So it's going to be. A very good international period and we're finally going to see Netherlands back to, to where they belong. Brilliant. And if you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you're liking, subscribing wherever you're listening. And um, yeah, thanks for joining us. Keep your eye on all the Football Daniel platforms because we'll be doing plenty of other things really soon. Bye for now. Get it back up! Get it back up! Yeah! 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 There is he! Yeah! Yeah! There is Glasser! Goal!